0: In a recent KPMG survey, 21% of CEOs said talent risk was the highest risk on their agenda. Today we're going to talk about what those organizations and what leadership can do to engage and retain employees uh, during COVID. We're also going to talk about employee Experience based working, not ABW. Experience based working. This is something that uh, I hadn't heard of before, so interested to dig into this, hear your thoughts on what your views are of experience based working. And culture obviously has been a big topic uh, during COVID. Um, and what we're going to look at is how cu- culture has changed through COVID and what needs to change within organizations for that adoption. And then finally, um, we're gonna talk about AI chatbots and how Adobe is using AI chatbots to support its 22,000 remote workers. So so stick around and uh, this is what we're gonna cover today. Good morning, and welcome to OSW Daily. Uh, This is my second morning by myself. It's weird, um, but I want to appreciate those who reached out yesterday, said hello, uh, give the words of, I don't know what it is. Support, I guess, is probably the best the best way to describe it. But uh, if this is your first time coming across the channel, please do hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, hit that, you know, leave comments, um, do participate. Um, this is brought to you by myself, Stephen Todd. I am the founder of Open Source Workplace. I'm also global head of workplace at NASDAQ. Um, so what is Open Source Workplace? Well, it's a community for knowledge sharing, uh, all around work, workplace experience, and employee experience uh workplace productivity as well so we're trying to cover everything we're trying to bring you information that is beneficial and helpful um, in a collaborative way um everything is published for free Uh, and uh, so please do do go over to the website opensourceworkplace.com and check it out Uh, and if you are returning thank you for coming back um hopefully uh you find this useful um and if you want to hear more and get things in advance there is a link below uh, for a newsletter uh, which is published each morning which provides insights all about the uh, what's been published in Open Source Workplace but also what we're going to talk about today and uh, we also then use that forum to provide um, incentives, uh, discounts um, within the industry and also give you updates on exciting things that are happening with Open Source Workplace and there is something that's going to be uh, a, a launched next week so please do sign up for that so you're the first to hear. So Let's go, let's dig in, and please do feel free to comment. And this is, I want this to be an interactive thing rather than a monologue for myself, because um, that's boring. It's boring enough for me having to uh, go through all this, but it's in essence, I'd love to hear some feedback, I'd love to hear some conversation, and uh, some of your thoughts and insights. And as we go through this, there are some really interesting things that I think we need to think about that go beyond just what we're going to talk about today. Um, and that's sort of what I want to do, and I don't want to sort of say, say too much about next week. But that's kind of what I want to do is want. To, how do we take this conversation from uh, the YouTube channel, from Facebook, onto another platform that allows us to uh, communicate and share and, and share ideas and thoughts? So the first thing we're talking about, is sort of as I alluded to it in my introduction, right? KPMG did a survey pre-COVID. CEOs stated that only one percent had talent risk as the as the highest risk on their agenda today it's now 21%. So what, what's actually causing that? And obviously, you know, um, there are two factors, and this, and this is, I just wanna give credit to Dan Shovel. Um, if, if if you're not a, a subscriber of his um, weekly newsletter, please do do so. There's a link in the description below. Uh, he publishes it on LinkedIn, and uh, we, we talk about his content quite a bit here on the channel. So please do go over and support Dan. Um, and hopefully one day we'll get Dan on and we can sort of run through some things with him um, based on a lot of the content that we've we've spoken about on the channel. So Dan identified sort of two key things that um, were driving this increase and what the real risk were. And the two things are are looking at you know organizations in this environment don't have to be concerned with relocating employees don't have to be concerned with relocating. So therefore the actual market that uh, recruitment can take place is that now for global, rather than being the geography, which your footprint is, actually it's global. So therefore, there is risk that one, your employees may be uh, attracted to work for other other organizations that perhaps they weren't um, interested or could work for before, um, but also then you can attract. And uh, what, what does that mean? And so that's that's really what is one of the key, the key concerns that's mentioned there. And the second one was workers' expectations have shifted. So I think for most people, if we evaluated what we thought workplace would look like um, pre-COVID to what we think it looks like today, it is so different. Perspectives have shifted. Leadership's perspective has shifted. Employees' perspectives have shifted. And that's what Dan is noting is um, that uh, noted here. And the key things that he's, he's looking at is like, employees have this, or they wanna prioritize their safety, flexibility, transparency and technology and with that okay so then how do organizations then approach that in helping to engage and retain staff and that's sort of what we're going to run through here a couple of things that i do want to note you know um dan does go through in detail on the cost of replacing um staff and he mentioned some of the research he's previously done so do take a look at that, and he goes into detail how to do that. Um, he also mentions why creating a healthy and supportive work culture is key to retention. I didn't really touch on that just in this article because we have an article coming up in a little bit that I think um, really does touch on that. So how do you engage and retain your employees during COVID? And Dan's listed out a number of things here. I'm not going to go through each of them individually, um, but obviously there's, there's a slide on the screen that you can you can look at. But what, what if we sort of... Would group a lot of um, these topics. I would sort of group one as interaction, personnel, right, At empathy, interaction with team members, interaction with leaders and and um, subordinates, and vice versa. The check-ins, the as as I mentioned, the the empathy, the ongoing conversations, the recognition um, activities, you know, communication, transparency. I think we can sort of look at that as all under one bucket and. And I think most people would um, attest and uh, to say that conversations with uh, between managers and, and subordinate has somewhat shifted, shifted in a sense of, yes, that conversation obviously in- includes um, work. It includes what work needs to be done. But a lot of it is focused on, well, what is the mental state? How is the health? How is the environment of the employee? Um, How are they doing, you know, because it isn't just the individual we're looking at, because in an office, you can see the environment, you can manage the environment, but actually
1: individuals
0: in their home environment actually may have other factors that are really determining um, their ability to work and how much they can engage with work. It could well be family responsibilities, homeschooling, it can be a number of things. Um, So I think a lot of conversations are focusing around that, like, how are you doing? what what is what what are you doing to relax how are you getting to uh re-energize how are you getting on with certain tasks what support do you need what technology can help you right now how can we eliminate um things that we don't need to be doing and i think there's a lot of conversations around that and with that comes flexibility, and that's something else that that Dan noted, right? The parent homeschooling during a period of afternoon. I think we all recognize that, you know, our hours have shifted somewhat. I think organisations are opening to open to people working longer days, but, but taking breaks in the middle, and I think that's really, really important. And technology that we touched on, right? Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I am I'm I'm a creature of habit. And there's ways that I like to work and there are things that new technologies that come along. And sometimes I think it it adds complexity while many technologies can add, um, can streamline things. Whenever you're set to do a certain thing and then some part of the team are using one software and another team is is filing and managing uh, files differently. It becomes really challenging to, okay, so I had this conversation. I know a conversation about this subject. Where is it? default was always email but now actually you have to look at email you're looking at teams you're looking at slack you're looking across all these different platforms and it can be a challenge and 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 i find that too so um dan's actually encouraging people to get back to phone calls and video conferencing because i think that way people can sort of see each other can interact with each other engage with each other which i think personally for me anyway is a is quite a quite an important thing um and and he touches on recognition and we touched on yesterday's show about recognition and accountability, so please, if you if you if you haven't uh, listened to that, please do go back and listen to it. It's it's, it's quite important. Um And the other one he's mentions was invest in their learning and development. And uh, this one, I, I don't have an issue with it. I, I guess where I come with I come from when I see you know invest in their learning and developing development. I don't know about you, but sometimes the, there's the perception that. Learning and development provided by employers isn't as good as anything we can get from the outside world. Whatever, whether that's right, whether that's wrong, that's probably a perceived incorrect value. But in essence, what it, what Dan's trying to stress here is, you know, encourage people to learn, encourage them to to you know join forums, join parts of groups. Uh, go attend conferences, listen to people, join webinars and uh, and do that and I think we all know we need to be we need to be self-starters when it comes to our own learning and development but uh, in essence you know this is where organizations can help shift. So th- these are the key factors that um, Dan's noted as what organizations can do to engage, um, and retain employees, um, especially in an environment where there are probably a lot more opportunities uh, available to talent, to good talent, and highly skilled uh, professionals. Um, and and he does he does you know finish with this. And I just want to leave this this article with this particular note. The move. We solve for human needs. The more sorry, the more we solve for human needs, the more we can create a highly engaged, healthy, and effective workplace. And when workers are happy and productive, retention no longer becomes an issue. When workers are happy and productive, retention no longer becomes an issue. If if I would add one word to, to to what he just said there, right? It's if workers feel, well, I guess they're happy whenever they feel they're contributing, right? So how can workers feel that they're contributing? And and that then becomes retention is no longer an issue. So that uh, it's a great article as I mentioned. Please do go check out Dan. Um, go over to uh to, to just check the link below. He publishes weekly on LinkedIn. So do check do check that out. Now the next one I wanted to, I wanted to talk about was kind of interesting to me because it came across and you see a title and you're going is this click beta, what what is this? And the title was COVID has taken us from ABW to experience based working. I've never heard of experience-based working, so I was intrigued. So I clicked, and uh, it was a really interesting perspective. Um, am I wiser as to what experience-based working is? No, not really. But what I do like about the article is it captures a really some nuggets of the future of work. How we need to think about the workplace. How we need to think about workplace design in the future. Um, but I still have questions about experience based working. But uh, here's some of the highlights that I've pulled up um, and and sort of captured from it. Um, So if we were to sort of take it at the very base value, right, so 80 to 90 percent of employees want to work from home at least one day per week, I think that's a valid um, position to take. I think most people recognize that we Most employees want a hybrid work where they have the flexibility to work from home and go into the office as and when needed. So in other words, if the office is the best place to perform a task or interact with people, then that's where they go. Um, And so whenever we look at this, what activity-based working is and how um, this article is defined activity-based working, I read it and I didn't really agree with it. Um, and I reached out to a few people that I, I respect uh, who are experts in activity-based working, and I said, "Do you think that this is about a good reflection of uh, what activity-based working is?" And for those who don't know, activity-based working is it's it's a it's a strategy. It's a strategy around uh, how people work and providing they uh, providing an environment to allow them to do the work for whatever task they are performing at any given time. Now, activity-based working doesn't have to be office-based it's not office-based so I wouldn't necessarily agree with the first thing that's noted or the second thing that's noted on the right table and it says that you have to be in an office every day and I don't think I don't think that's right either I think anybody can do an activity um, based anywhere and again think of this as a strategy it isn't a workplace design um, principle it is a Workplace strategy, how an organization and culture is going to be evolve in how they work, how employees work, how organizations work, how they function. So I think this is trying to take the um, principles of activity-based working and apply it to a design concept, which I don't um, necessarily think is right. And if I go through the experience-based working, um, I would actually attribute most of these components to activity-based working. And activity-based working taking the design element, so... Perhaps what uh, Unispace are trying to do in this article is evolve activity-based work and to actually take the principles of it and actually create a design concept and call it something. Um, so I have to acknowledge them for that and, and uh, understand that. And I, I will try and get somebody from Unispace on to sort of discuss some of their content because um, there are other elements within the article that actually... Um, I think I, I need to better understand, I think they need to explain them a little bit more because some of their uh, terminology of, um, you know, the fu- future office strategy, they've called a propeller and, and basically it's uh, a blended workplace of office and remote, which I think is fine, And but I'd need to understand propeller a little bit more. But I think some of the things they have mentioned here is really, is really important, you know. What their research has is, is indicated that company's future office strategy needs to adapt to the specific balance of experiences their employees need to have. So if we think about physical offices. I absolutely agree with this statement. You know, offices will and do need to be based and designed for experiences. But those experiences for me are tasks. So, you know, if you're going to activity-based working to be task experience I think does reflect the same and they give some examples of what um, those experiences could be and again the experiences are very much design elements not workplace strategy elements and I think that's really important to understand the differences between activity-based working and what Unispace are sort of classifying activity-based working as and experience-based working so I think they're trying to take one and become a design element so so that's interesting. And again, like, so why would I share if I don't like, totally agree with something? Because I think sometimes in this industry, we have to accept that there, there are principles and there are models being evolved and shared that actually may not be 100% accurate. But within it, there are always going to be elements that actually can elevate and sort of progress the mind. And I think that's what this, 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 this article does for me. And I think it's important that we do have open conversations around this. Um and I think when whenever there is something that is a little bit um uh I don't want to say controversial but in essence if people do think something's wrong then that stimulates conversation stimulate, conversations being stimulated affects change and and, and that uh, that I like so I, I do I do acknowledge Unispace for doing that and that's one of the reasons why I want to share so thank you for for uh, sharing that uni space the next thing I want to talk about is is culture and. You know, culture is a topic that's been discussed a lot, uh, obviously, over many years, but especially during COVID. And this, this article is written by, by a doctor, Dr. Thomas, and, uh, and you know, I, I could try to pronounce his, his surname, but I think I just butcher it. So I'm, I'm going to give that a miss. Um, but his opening statement is the pandemic has amplified the gap between more and less adaptive workplaces. And so what what does he mean by that? Sort of if we think about, you know, how easy was it for an organization to to transition from an in-office environment to at-home environment? How were they able to work, function, collaborate, innovate, and then progress? If you think about that, there are many organizations that have been able to do it on a spin of a dime, and there are organizations that have struggled. And that's what um, this article is going on. It is, is really discussing, and there are three elements. Um, that um, Dr. Thomas really goes on about the crisis amplified amplified the gap between more and less adaptive cultures. So, in other words, there if there is a culture for innovation, a culture for change. culture for speed of response those organizations did well and if you think about it those those organizations they're flexible they're agile they're inclusive they're entrepreneurial right they're data driven they they're 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 very much that type of organization and those are the organizations that would have benefited the second one he said it would have benefit is the culture is the fabric of work relations dictating the rules of social interaction and governing the dynamics of teamwork and collaboration so whatever the culture is in an organization, it will need to be vined by the survivor, of the office officeless it's a little tongue twister for me, uh, age of work. So in other words, whatever the fabric was pre-COVID, that has probably evolved and changed because the environment changes how the culture is. But actually, however we evolve it, we need to accept that there actually will be a period of time where the office may not exist, or for some, it may not exist again. But as we move through a hybrid and get to a hybrid solution, that culture is going to shift. Culture is always going to shift, but still in the fabric. If you think about your organization, if you think about how things get done, how people communicate, whether we're in the office, whether they were fully remote or whether we're going to be in some state in the future, those things typically don't change. the way things are presented, the way things are discussed, the aggressiveness, the innovation, the wh- whatever you want to define it, um, those things don't change. Um, but I think we have to um, become organizations and organizations have to develop their culture so that they can actually take advantage of these things. Um, but it's also within the fabric and it's also within the fabric of the individual offices and the people who are within within those organizations. And the third element that he talked about is culture is shaped by the leadership and the crisis are opportunities to lead. And it's the second element I want to talk about this. If we think about, you know, that last sentence, crisis is our opportunity to lead. There are, I think most organizations, I think most employees would acknowledge that their organizations have been fantastic in their response to COVID. The culture, the empathy, the, um, Communication levels that have happened during this time have been unprecedented, and I think that will continue as we evolve. But also, with crisis leads to opportunity. So, if there are organisations or cultures that are developed that actually do become innovative, are um, agile, then those are the com- those are the organisations that are continue to have success. As change will inevitably come uh, as we move to whatever the next state is so that is uh it's, it's a really interesting so i do encourage you to go and and, and sort of read that and the last one i want to last article i want to talk about is is chat and i and i do if if you haven't read this book i do encourage you to go with, go get take a read of this book the future is faster than you think uh, it's written by peter Diamandis and steve uh, steve Collar. and um, they also wrote the abundance and bold um and Whenever you read books like this, think about your what I do. I read it and I think about, okay, what is my role? How is this role going to shift? How is my organization going to shift? And how then can I learn more to actually provide more value to the organization? So when I saw this article, I smiled because, you know, in bold, they talked about this Probably, I don't know when that was written, 2016, 2017, they've been talking about how these uh, AI bots are gonna really evolve and help organizations streamline a number of things. And in this article, um, Cynthia Stobart, who's a senior vice president and CIO at Adobe, um, mentions and discusses and outlines the reasons and how AI chatbots are being used to support 22,000 remote workers. It's fascinating. Uh, do go read it Um, and it's basically the bot reads and understands all the communications through slack and then the bot then starts to respond to people and what they've been able to do is validate the accuracy with which how the which which, with with how the bot responds so the bots responding at 97% accuracy it's providing people directions on where to go how to do things find information uh, quickly and if you think about how communication is having to move and if you think about your facility and how maybe a facility or an office actually principles guidelines and how people have to operate within there are constantly evolving as we move through this crisis then the ability to have a bot that actually can continually in real time provide updated information that's really good for the users and obviously obviously for the organizations. So the key things that they've been able to identify and, and win with this, 38% of email tickets are now automatically routed to the correct support queue within six minutes. So that's that's a remarkable thing because it's funny, I was having a conversation yesterday about you know some of the tickets that come through and whenever teams are rotating in offices, you know, at times you may have a facility manager in the office or you might have a CIT. Uh, support person in the office and but it's there's times when you have you don't have both so the tickets have been routed to either one and then and, and this this obviously is where we're getting that, a, a nice pick up on that uh, the average time to dispatch and write email tickets has gone from 10 hours to less than 20 minutes and call volumes of internal support has dropped 35% so these are very real ways that AI chatbots are actually as uh, supporting businesses so So yeah, so please do go check it out. Um, I think it's a really interesting article. Uh, Do check out the book. I think it's fascinating. It allows the brain to sort of see a little bit of the future and what our roles are gonna be um, going into the future. So look, I appreciate you spending your time if you did. Um, you know I am encouraged uh, by people who do listen and do and do follow up so please do do let me know what your thoughts please let me know uh, if there's anything specific you want to talk about Uh, I do have I have reached out to people and I do have to hope to have guests because you know this is a lot better for me and more exciting to to me to hear other people's opinions on some of these things rather than just hearing my own but I wanted to uh, provide something um, some content and some context as 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 uh, OSW continues so so please thank you like subscribe and I look forward to catching up again tomorrow take care and thank you again thanks